Welcome to the Family Storytime Easter Special. Join us as we step back in time to Jerusalem of old during the Passover of 31 AD. Tobiah stood stiffly, glowering out the window. His face was contorted with rage and hate. Off in the distance, the roar of the crowd continued to build as it slowly made its way into Jerusalem. Three and a half years, and now this. It wasn't as if they hadn't tried, but Jesus had been one step ahead at every turn. He was not to be cornered. Hearing hurried footsteps behind him, he turned. Well? We tried, but the crowd is really getting carried away, waving palm branches, laying their their cloaks on the ground. It is just mayhem. You... I what, eh? Well, I with it. Have you lost your power of speech? You couldn't stop them even if you tried. There's no stopping the crowd. And Jesus, he wouldn't stop them either. He said that if he stopped them praising him, the very stones would... Try harder. Go on, get out. A renewed roar rose from the crowd. The city was emptying to meet Jesus as he entered Jerusalem and the large crowd already with him took up the cry with renewed vigour. Make way for the king! This was almost unbearable. He had never witnessed such a scene of adulation. There was no telling where this would end. It could not go on. For some time, he stood silently watching the crowds below. Children danced gaily in front of Jesus as the crowd continued to swell, delirious with joy. It's no good. Ah. He jumped at the sound of the voice behind him as he had not heard Jose's return. He was shocked at his dishevelled appearance. It's no good. There's no stopping the crowds. They will not be silent. It's too dangerous. Anyway, you said you had it sorted a few days ago. So why do we need to go out there and risk being torn limb from limb if that's the case? It certainly doesn't look sorted to me. You really are getting above yourself, aren't you? What gives you the right to talk to me like that? It is sorted. I just need to talk to Judas again. Judas? Who's Judas? The treasurer of the outfit. They always have their price, and it looks like I found his. I'll have another meeting with him in a few days. Whatever happens today won't matter one bit then. His lip curled in a snickering sneer. Cheer up. You worry too much. Tobiah walked quickly from the room without waiting for a reply. Hoses watched him leave, then turned back toward the window. All the things his grandfather had said kept hammering in his brain. Could this really be the Messiah? Why did it bother him so much, all the talk of taking care of him? His heart burned within him, and he leant against the cool marble column to catch his breath and settle his nerves. Come on. We have work to do. Are you going to stand around all day? Oh, I, I was just wondering... We don't have time for wondering. Come on. Jose's paused for a brief moment, 
trying to sort out how he felt. He knew in his heart the truth, but this was the only life he knew and he could not see beyond it. Pushing his conviction down, he turned and followed Tobiah out the door. Almost persuaded now to believe Almost persuaded Christ to receive Seems now some soul to say The night, already pitch dark, matched the blackness of his heart. Judas shrugged his cloak tighter about him, pulling his head further within its folds. There was no way he wanted anyone to know what he was doing. That would be just too much public humiliation. Anyway, this was the right thing to do. Hadn't he been over this so many times? Tonight it would be done. He would be richer and Jesus would finally be forced to assume the throne. He just needed a little push. That's all. He surely wouldn't let himself be crucified. He could just make out the shape of the two Pharisees as they stood under the shadow of the trees. Judas, over here. What took you so long? I thought you weren't going to show up. I couldn't just bolt from the table. I had to wait for a good time to slip away. I think I got away without anyone really noticing or caring. So, do we still have a deal? Most definitely, yes. Have you got it with you? Well, not so fast. You will get your money when we have our man. Just to make sure you don't change your mind or give us the wrong information and do a runner. That is not what we agreed. How do I know you will keep your side of the bargain? (laughs) You'd have to agree that the word of a Pharisee is worth more than that of a treasurer. Would you not? Now... Where will Jesus be? He will be in the garden at midnight, in the garden of Gethsemane. You know this for sure? Very sure. 
I have been with him long enough to know what he does and where he goes. I am a trusted confidant, you know. <laughs> they chuckled amongst themselves at that, but each for different reasons. <laughs> at midnight, then. And you'll be there, I take it. Well, I don't want to raise suspicion by not being there. I will greet him with a kiss so you know exactly who he is. They shook hands and went their separate ways. The die had been cast, a course set. There would be no going back. Judas came to the garden where Jesus was kneeling down in prayer with his band of men from the chief priests and Judas came to take his friend away. With their burning lanterns and flaming torches and their swords made of cold bone steel, Judas came to betray his friend from Nazareth. In the night, Judas came. And Jesus, who knew everything, said to the man at hand, Whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth, I am he. to the ground and they trembled in fear and Jesus said once again to them do you seek Jesus of Nazareth I am he with their burning lanterns and flaming torches and their swords made of cold bone steel Judas came to betray his friend from Nazareth In the night Judas came And his band of men from the chief priests And took Jesus and bound him tight As they led him away You could hear the sound of silver Jingling in the Will you hurry up with that food? Don't you know we have important work to do here? Hurry! Berenice made no reply to Caiaphas, but ran to fulfil her master's command. There had never been a night like this. Never. The amount of people about, the lateness of the hour and the anger and hatred shown toward the prisoner. His name was Jesus. She had heard a lot about him, stories she had too easily dismissed. But seeing his demeanour and dignity amid the chaos of the trial made her wish she had paid more attention. He was otherworldly. Perhaps what they said, that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, was correct, could only be correct. She had always been proud to be a servant of the High Priest, but she was starting to have doubts. Caiaphas was angry and the whole court, Pharisees and Sadducees, seemed desperate, even panicked, that Jesus should not escape condemnation, but they could not seem to find a charge to stick. As she wove in and out of the crowd serving food and drink, 
she caught snatches of the trial. The thing that really stood out for her over and over was the serenity of Jesus. Amid all the mayhem and babble of the court, he stood quietly. Rushing back to the kitchen, she glanced outside into the courtyard. It too was full, the crowd mimicking and deriding Jesus, each trying to outdo the other. It was then that she caught sight of Peter. She had seen him around the temple a number of times and was recognisable to her as a disciple of Jesus. He would know. She would just make sure it was him. He would be able to answer the question she had. So as not to raise suspicion, she loaded her tray high with food, serving it out as she walked towards Peter. Aren't you one of the disciples of this Nazarene Jesus? No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He seemed very certain in his denial, but she was also certain that he was. She busied herself around amongst the groups gathered until she could bear it no longer. She approached Peter again. I am quite sure I have seen you around with Jesus. Your face is so familiar. Look, woman, I told you I don't know the man. His outburst drew attention from other onlookers. Well, you certainly sound like a Galilean. I know one when I hear one. Peter let out a string of profanities and denied ever knowing Jesus. Just then, the cock crowed. Berenice noticed a marked change come over Peter. A few moments before, he had been rude, arrogant and cursing. But when the cock crowed, it was like he had been struck. Deep pain and remorse transformed his face and he ran from the courtyard. Back inside, the trial continued. Berenice busied herself as best she could, but as the night became day, she was left with far more questions than answers.
going to get there? Uh, it was you who so badly wanted to come, remember? This whole journey was your idea. Simon chuckled. His boys were so impatient, eager to get to the destination. They had yet to learn that the journey was just as important. Tell me again, Father, about the Passover. Well, the Passover commemorates the time when the angel of the Lord spared the firstborn in Egypt but only if their fathers painted blood on the doorposts. It's about God's mercy and care. Something we can't ever forget, son. How long since you've been to Passover in Jerusalem? Too long, son, too long. Will we be there tomorrow? We've been walking for weeks. It must be tomorrow. <laughs> well, if you put as much energy into walking as asking questions, we could have been there yesterday. But Father, you always say that I'm so much like you. Simon nodded in reply. They slipped into an easy silence, tired from the day's journey. This was precious time together. He had been so busy making sure that his boys were well cared for and wanted for nothing that he had neglected spending time with them. Suddenly it seemed they were almost grown. Returning to Jerusalem brought back memories he had long since chosen to forget. Who was God to him anyway? Did he still believe? And what about all this talk of the Galilean Jesus? Was he truly the Messiah? Both his boys really believed so, but he was less convinced. Where is your brother Rufus anyway? We haven't seen him for ages. Any clues? 
He's been travelling with the family we met at lunch. They live in Jerusalem and are just full of all the news that has been happening with Jesus. You should hear some of the stories they tell. Blind people see, lame people walk, lepers are healed. Amazing stuff, isn't it? But that's not the best bit. He is king of the Jews. And at the beginning of the week, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Everyone says it's just a matter of time before he gets rid of the Romans and takes over the throne. How amazing it would have to be to have Israel as an independent nation again. It's something you've always longed for, Father. You don't really believe, do you, Father? Why not? Oh, it's too late in the day for such questions, son. Look, run back and find your brother. We'll stop up at the inner head for the night and make an early start. We'll be there by lunchtime, easy. Ready for the preparations for Sabbath. Alex bounded off to find Rufus, leaving Simon alone. A thousand questions vying for attention. Why couldn't he believe? Good question, but one he had no answer for. That night the guests sat and talked into the small hours about many things, but it always came back to Jesus and the wonderful things he was doing. Lack of sleep did not slow the boys down and they were eager to get started, hoping against hope that they would get the opportunity to see Jesus themselves. They skipped ahead of Simon, chatting incessantly, sharing a secret language only brothers knew. The closer they got to Jerusalem, the more Simon was surprised at the amount of people about. Even with it being Passover, it seemed unusually busy. It was some years since he had visited Jerusalem and he got lost while trying to find his uncle's house. Suddenly he found himself in a very large crowd who were screaming sarcastically. Make way for the king of the Jews! <laughs> Make way for the king of the Jews! King of the Jews! Here he comes! Here he comes! Others in reply jeered and yelled. The object of their derision seemed to be coming in Simon's direction. The Roman soldiers were having a hard time getting the crowd to make way for the condemned man to pass. Speaking to no one in particular, Simon asked, Who is this man? that everyone hates him so much. Haven't you heard? Have you been under a rock? They're finally getting rid of Jesus. We have had to put up with all this trouble he's been causing for far too long. Good riddance. And then Simon saw Jesus. Stunned, Simon could only stand and stare. The soldiers were trying to make him carry a cross and it was clearly more than he could manage. Beaten and cut to ribbons, he was wearing a crown of thorns on his head and blood flowed freely down his face. Father, Father, come on, let's go. I don't want to be here. Why are they doing this to Jesus? Father! But Simon had no time for reply. A Roman guard grabbed him roughly and thrust him into the middle of the crowd. You! Carry the cross! Hurry up, we don't have all day! Over the baying crowd, he could hear his son screaming, but he had no choice and nowhere to run. The cross was much heavier than he expected and slippery with blood. 
Struggling to maintain balance, he started the slow, arduous walk up the hill to Golgotha. He was stunned by Jesus' response to his situation. Despite significant injuries and obvious exhaustion, he was deeply moved by the sorrow of those around him. What sort of man was this? All those stories his sons had told him came flooding back. Jesus staggered and almost fell, and Simon held his breath, willing him to stay up. The soldiers were incensed at the time it was taking, and in the narrow streets there was no escaping the whip. Suddenly the cross was lifted from his shoulders and he was shoved aside. While Simon felt great relief, he was also gripped with dread for what Jesus was about to endure. Standing up, he turned and met the gaze of Jesus. Never had he seen such love and compassion in one look. His heart was broken. Father, Father, what is happening? Jesus is a good man. Why is this happening? His boys ran to him and he embraced them as never before. He glanced back to where Jesus had stood, but the crowd had swallowed him up. Come on, let's get going. You don't need to see this. He looked down at his blood-stained hands. All he could think was unclean, unclean. All I once held dear Built my life upon All this world reveals And was to own All I once thought king Spent and worthless now Compared to this Knowing you, Jesus Knowing you There is no greater thing You're my all, you're my You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to
of the morning was so welcome. After the events of the last few days, he was done with thinking and sought the only refuge left. Almost subconsciously, his feet sought the well-worn path to the garden. There it would be dark and cool, everything in order, or so he thought. As he walked along, he noticed a woman hurrying on her way to the garden. She overtook him, preoccupied with her errand. He thought he recognised her from somewhere, then remembered she had been in the group that followed Jesus. Her name was Mary, if he remembered correctly. The events of the last night pushed their way to the surface. His wife had been distraught at the death of Jesus. Try as he might, he could not console her, had only made things worse. There was so much he didn't understand. Just then, Mary came running back toward him. Wide-eyed and frantic, she was running with wild abandon. What was happening these days? Had people lost all dignity? He stepped off the path to give her room to pass. At last he reached the garden and gladly slipped beneath the trees relieved to be out of sight and alone. He was ambling along aimlessly when he froze mid-stride. Before him was a Roman guard, helmet missing, uniform awry. He looked confused and lost. Who's there? I know someone's there. Answer me. Uh, Jonathan. My name's Jonathan. The guard groped in front of him. Jonathan reached out his hand, which was grasped with such firmness... He winced. Now listen, Johnny, you won't believe what I'm about to tell you, but listen. We were here last night guarding the tomb of Jesus. We made very sure we all kept awake and alert. You know, with all that talk of him raising from the dead on the third day, we were all pretty spooked to begin with. But then suddenly there was this huge light. We could not see. The ground shook. A massive earthquake. Everything seemed to be turned upside down. I must have blanked out or something, because when I woke, that big, huge stone was rolled away and the tomb was open. I could hear the other guards running around frantically in all directions, saying, He's gone! They kept saying, He's gone! Then a couple of the guards... There you, know, you are. Oh. Sorry if he's been bothering you, he's not being well. Saying the wildest things. What tall stories have been telling you this time? Startled by the sudden appearance of a second guard, he could only stammer in reply... Uh, uh, nothing really. Uh, he's not making a lot of sense. Um, perhaps you could help me with... Um... There's nothing to explain except he is unwell, as I said. Just forget it. He left, 
dragging his companion roughly along with him. Jonathan stood for a long while, his mind racing. Was this possible? Surely not. Perhaps? Nothing was making sense anymore. He heard pounding footsteps behind him and turned to see two men running. It was some of Jesus' disciples. He was certain of that. They were heading in the direction of the tomb and he wasted no time in following them. He stayed under the cover of the trees to avoid detection and listened to their excited conversation. It's just as Mary said. He's not here. Look. He said he was going to rise again. Can you believe this? This is just too amazing for words. I wouldn't have believed it I had not seen it with my own two eyes. Come on, let's go and tell the others that Mary was right. Jonathan knew he had to see for himself. Glancing furtively around, he crept towards the open tomb. Inside was still and silent, the burial clothes lying empty on the bench. He was dumbstruck. Yes, it surely was true. Jesus was not here. Suddenly he could not wait to tell his wife the great news. Finally he had something to comfort her with. He turned from the open tomb and ran like he had never run before. lost their dearest friend all that he said now he was dead so this was the way it would end the dreams they had dreamed were not what they seemed now that he was dead and gone the garden the jail
Thomas was awoken by an impatient rapping at the door. Thomas, are you in there? He turned over and stared blankly at the ceiling, reluctant to make a reply. Thomas, I know you're in there. I'm off to the market and when I come back, you'd better be up and around. Thomas! More loud rapping on the door. Eventually his friend gave up and Thomas turned back toward the wall. Nothing to see here, nothing to be done. He drew a shaking, ragged breath. (sighs) How had things gone so terribly wrong? One minute it seemed certain that Jesus would take the throne and set up his kingdom on earth. The next, he was crucified. Why had he let this happen? He had seen enough to know that Jesus had the power to do whatever was necessary, yet he had submitted to the humiliation of the cross. Why? One thing he did know, he could not go on like this any longer. He had to find a way forward. He slowly rose from his bed and wandered into the kitchen. He would need to go to the market himself. He was startled by a loud clatter behind him. Oh, I thought you were on your way to the market. Don't bother knocking, come right in. Sorry, I I ran into some of your fellow disciples down the road and they are so excited about the future and and happy and I rushed back to tell you... Tell me what? That Jesus is alive and that they've seen him? Well, why hasn't he come to see me? Seriously, I am... Seriously nothing. If you would just visit with them and sit and talk, I'm certain all your questions and confusion would clear up. You keep saying, I will not believe until I see the nail prints for myself, and yet you refuse to be with the others, shutting yourself away. He realised he was yelling and stopped mid-sentence. They both stood silent for some time, staring fixedly at each other. They're meeting tonight, Thomas. Go! Early the next morning, Amos was once again rapping on Thomas' door. He had reached the end with him. Nothing he had said made a difference. He would give it one last try. He heard a low laugh behind him. (laughs) So you think that I'll be lying around feeling sorry for myself yet again? Well, you certainly look more yourself. Did you visit with the disciples last night? Yes, and you were right. I've been blinded by self-pity. I've talked with the disciples at great length, But most importantly, I saw Jesus with my own eyes. He is risen. It is so amazing. He really is risen. Really? That is true then. There has been a lot of talk around one way or the other, but you saw him for yourself. Yes. Yes. Tell me again, Thomas. Tell me the stories again. No, wait. Come back with me and tell my family as well. There's a whole world to tell, and your family is a great place to start. They beamed at each other and embraced, holders of the flame that would burn brightly forever. Because he rose in mighty triumph from
from the grave. I put my trust in Him and seek to follow Him in faith because He lives. Because He lives, I shall find strength to stand against the tempter's power. He is my refuge and defense in every troubled hour. Because he lives, because he lives, because he lives, I can bear whatever burden may be mine. I am encircled in the arms of love. Because he lives, I shall conquer. 
Listening to the Family Storytime Easter Special, a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.